Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton, Kelly Barner, and Jenny Froome here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Jenny, Kelly, how are we doing? Great. We're good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Are those words really ever uttered? Well, I think the question is whether they're really meant. <laughs> I wish everyone a happy Monday. How's that? Uh, that <laughs> Nearly well, the hey. end of my Monday, and it was a happy <laughs> Monday, so it was good. That is right. Jenny, you're, uh, what, five or six hours ahead of us? Yeah, we're 7 p.m. right now. 7 p.m. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And, hey, it is Happy Monday if you love what you do, right? And, and I certainly love our collaborations together. Uh, and, folks, Kelly Barner and Jenny Froome, are, we got a big show teed up here today um, for the Supply Chain Buzz. I'm calling it the Special Deluxe Edition. Um, it kind of made me think of uh, John Travolta and um casino not i uh, know what's the, what's that movie where they're driving down the road and they're talking about big macs in oh, france perfection <laughs> yes yeah. Yeah. Fiction. casino um, royale with cheese yes yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so a little play on that uh but this is a special <laughs> deluxe edition not only do we have two special uh guest co-hosts dear dear friends kelly barner host of our popular dial p for procurement program also she leads uh, over at Buyers Meeting Point and uh, Art Procurement, you name it. Uh, and Jenny Froome, who hosts our Dynamite Supply Chain Leadership Across Africa series. Also uh, COO over at Sapix, which is doing great things across, really across Africa. Uh, but Jenny, you're based in Johannesburg, right? You live in, in Johannesburg, right? I am indeed. And it's finally summer. I had to, um, I had to clarify that for folks. So folks didn't think you were just time traveling. And just six hours ahead of the rest of humanity. Just super specially fast. <laughs> so, all right. So you can't tell us win winning lottery numbers or anything uh, no, to change our. our <laughs> um, one final thought. We were talking weather, Kelly and and Jenny in the pre-show as we were getting everything fixed. And of course, Kelly in Massachusetts and us in Georgia on, you know, along the East Coast, we're getting uh, mid twenties uh, temperatures. Kelly, what was your morning like this morning? Um, is it that warm yet? It's 25 right now. It was in the mid-teens during the bus stop phase of the day. So very cold, but we sort of expect that. This, for you right. guys, is probably extreme. We, we don't know what to do with ourselves, Kelly. We really don't, uh, other than not drive. Uh, but that's, hey, that's part of the Amanda's course. I know Amanda's listening. Here. Amanda, this is when you put on your cute winter coat that you only wear like two times a year and your boots. That's what days like this are for. I love it. I love it. But Jenny, uh, uh, you know, across the ocean there, this is a warm, what, what's, what are your days and weather like right now? Well, it's very, it's very warm today, but I'm very thunder, loads of thunderstorms and we've had masses of rain, which, you, you know, we're lucky in where we are. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to talk about temperature because I don't understand your temperature scale, so I can't convert <laughs> it, but it's warm. Yes. Uh, we'll have to break out the protractor and do those conversions later. Uh, but hey, uh, beyond Kelly and Jenny here today, we've got two very special guests joining us, uh, Sally Eves, PhD, and Kendra C. Taylor, PhD. We're going to be talking about um, DEI, uh, diversity, 
um, equity and inclusion initiatives, which are uh, thankfully uh, growing a lot more momentum, having a bigger impact. We still got some work to do there. Uh, and we're going to be talking about um, uh, human trafficking, uh, given that this is the month of uh, National Human Trafficking Prevention Month here in the States as designated by the White House. And there's a lot of work to be done to really eradicate these travest travesties of human trafficking and modern slavery. And Kendra's uh, got some wonderful work, um, data-driven work uh, that she's going to share that will offer up some resources for folks. So stay tuned. And hey, folks, we want to hear from you as well. Uh, we're going to say hello to all the folks that, are, that have uh, been logging in here in just a second. So Jenny and Kelly, Great show lined up here today, right? Absolutely. Yeah, exciting. Happy, happy Monday. Okay, so let's do this. Uh, I'm going to make sure, we're, we're going to share a couple of uh, events coming up in a second, but let's go ahead. I love saying hello to folks and kind of hearing what, what they're up to, uh, wherever they are in the world. Let's just do that. How about that? Josh Goody. He's tracking with us. A Royale <laughs> with cheese. That's what I was. That's what I was after. Josh. Yes, Pulp Fiction. You love. There, there's so many elements of that movie that that's just classic. But yes, today's supply chain buzz is a Royale <laughs> with cheese. And uh, good morning and happy Monday to you. Uh, Gabriel Solomon is tuned in with us via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Hey, folks. If you hadn't already, let us know what what part of the world are you tuned into. Let's see here. Jason T. Hopkins is back. Kelly and Jenny. Y'all know anything about Jason T. Hopkins sports related? Kelly, I think he may have appeared on last week's live stream. You were, do, you, do you happen to know what sports teams he's a big fan of? I do not. The Crimson Tide. He's a big Alabama mm. Crimson Tide fan by way of Washington, D.C., though. He lives up in D.C. Jenny, you are smiling. Are you a big uh, American football fan? Um, no. Foreign <laughs> language, a bit like your temperature gauge, really. Right. Love that. Well, hey, Jason, great to have you back with us here today. Gene Pledger uh, is tuned in. IPPE. Now, Gene, that's a new one. Kelly, you're shaking your head. Do you, do you know this acronym? I do not, but he's happy to be there by the emoji. So it must be a nice uh, place. <laughs> okay. Gene, let us know. Fill us in on the joke. I love a good inside joke, and I hope to, to, to quote Michael C, uh, Michael Scott, I hope to be part of one one day. But Gene, <laughs> let us know. Uh, Mohib is back with us. Great to see you here. Good to see, he says, my new best <laughs> best buddies forever, maybe. Jenny, Jenny, is that right? Best. I thought it was BFF, but, you know, maybe it's American as well. <laughs> so Jenny from the great continent of South Africa. Well, hey, Mohib, great to see you here. And, of course, Mohib is dialed in from Wichita, Kansas, the air, air capital of the world. Kelly, memory is back. I think you were on the live stream last week where she yes. was dropping some knowledge, right? Welcome back, memory. Um, I love that. Uh, Natalie Christian is back with us from Charlotte. Natalie, I think you're doing some hiring, if I, if I saw that right on social media. Uh, and I tell you, having known you, you'd be a great person to work with. So feel free to drop that in the comments. Claire, for, also from Joe Berg. Uh, yep. Very proud Joe Berg of our in the house. Yes. So Claire, <laughs> so tell me about Claire. Uh, Jenny. Claire works with us. She okay. does our marketing and okay. has worked with us off and on for, for a number of years and is brilliant at what she does. Wonderful. Wonderful. Claire, welcome in. We love what Sapix is up to. Let's see. Mohib says, hey, hi, Kelly. My procurement and intake for peas went up after dialing <laughs> peas. So a little inside joke there maybe or a little something we were joking about a few weeks back. So Kelly and I, uh, as Kelly dropped an episode on This Week in Business History about 
uh, the father of the frozen food industry. Um, Claire, yeah, yes, Birdseye. Clarence Birdseye. Thank you very much. So we had a little friendly uh, debate, fresh peas versus frozen peas. Because I'm a big lasseur pea right out of the can. That's why I grew up eating. And Kelly, you're like, no good, right? No, because then you have to dirty a little pot. So <laughs> I like the frozen peas in the steamer bag that go in the microwave. <laughs> I'm don't come to my house for food. I'm I'm not a, <laughs> no, but I but I do love peas. And it was fun covering that business history episode, learning about the whole history. And now we just take the little bag right from the freezer, right. toss it in the microwave, and there's a vegetable on the table. Well, uh, Mohib, thank you for reminding us about the hotly, hotly debated topic of peas. Uh, let's see here. Yogesh is tuned in from India. Great to see you via LinkedIn. Uh, uh, Helmet is back with us. Great to see you, Helmet. I've really enjoyed your perspective via um, social and south of France. I can just, Jenny and Kelly, I don't know about y'all, but that just, that just paints a picture, huh? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Steven's tuned in with us. Um, let's see here, Josh, he's 38 degrees and rainy. Welcome to Seattle, Washington. I bet it does rain all the time up there. All right. So Gene, here's our acronym buster. He says international production mm. and processing expo in Atlanta. So a big event, I think. Food yes. Well, you know, Atlanta hosts so many different events, but if Gene mm. is there, it is certainly the place to be. All right, so Kelly and Jenny, really excited to be chatting with uh, Sally and Kendra as we get closer here today. We'll be bringing them into the conversation here in just a second. And we may, and folks, we may be having a little bit of technical difficulties. Hey, Murphy's Law, uh, it comes with the territory of live streaming, right? If we have them, we'll just work through it uh, very transparently. We're here to uh, offer up a great conversation, so just bear with us. Okay, so Jenny and Kelly, let's, let's, let's share a little bit of information. Uh, about some upcoming events. How's that sound? That sounds great. All right. So, uh, so Kelly, I'm not sure if you were with us, but last week we had Monica Trilch here with Infor on a live stream with us, and she knocked it out of the park. Uh, so much so, she's going to be back by popular demand uh, February 1st, 12 noon, talking about harnessing that supply chain data. That is a beast sometimes to harness, right, Kelly? It is. And I actually, behind the scenes, previewed the full video from that uh, live stream that you guys did last week. I, was it John she was with? Yes. Um, very, I will not attempt to say his last name, but very interesting conversation. I think people will appreciate how they address the complexity of data. I think everybody will relate to it, but super interesting stuff about keeping it actionable. Love it. Love it. Uh, Y'all join us uh, February 1st and there's a link where you can sign in for free in the show notes. Uh, hey, join us in Vegas uh, for the Reverse Logistics Association Conference and Expo. That's right around the corner. I want to say that is the 7th through the 9th. Uh, you can learn more at rla.org. And Amanda, if we could drop that comment, uh, that link in the comments, that would be wonderful. Uh, while, we, while we say that, big thanks to Chantel, Catherine, Clay, and Amanda behind the scenes on the production side helping uh, make today's show happen. And then uh, Kelly... Uh, and Jenny, uh, really excited. Nominations are open for the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards, a global event. And we're going to touch on one of our newest partners, thanks to Jenny here in just a second. But Kelly, what are you excited about most about the supply, the skippies, as we have casually <laughs> coined? So I think the thing that I'm most interested about, we have a number of awards defined, but one of them is the Unsung Hero Award. 
And I am very excited to not only get to read all of the applications and nominations for that particular award, but I can't wait to connect with the person that is selected as the winner. I think that will be a very good news story that we'll all be able to celebrate. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so folks, y'all can learn more at supplychainprocurementawards.com. And again, hey, great thing about nominations. And we're going to talk about uh, a great partner event here in a second with Jenny. Mm -hmm. But the nomination fees, I think it's 200 bucks. All that gets donated to our nonprofit friends at Hope for Justice, which are uh, they're on a mission to eradicate um, uh, modern slavery and human trafficking. Uh, so really excited about that. So it's really, it's, it's a win, 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 right? It's um, uh, when you nominate those fees, get donated to uh, a purposeful organization that's taken action. And while you do that, we're going to celebrate all the cool things that's happening in your organization and folks, wherever your organization are, wherever the individuals are for uh, like the award that Kelly mentioned, it doesn't matter. Uh, there are no borders for this event. Y'all nominate and nominate uh, often, and we look forward to celebrating that. So uh, I'm going to say hello to a quick, few folks really quick, Jenny, and then I want to talk about the uh, Africa Supply Chain Excellence Awards, right? Right before we bring in our guests. Uh, Jocko is back with us. 2022, the focus is on supply chains. It's our time to step up, as he says. Jenny, we agree, right? We do. Hey, Echo. Uh, Nerf is back. Nerf, great to see you. I always look forward to your contributions here. Uh, let's see. Cartor, uh, Cartor, uh, I believe. Uh, if I got that wrong, please let me know. I'll try to get all the names right. Uh, we'll be talking about um, probably some non-procurement stuff. Hold your ears at Kelly. I bet that's like <laughs> hanging us on chalkboard. But I would strongly urge you to connect with Kelly. Uh, check please out do. Dial P. Check out Art of Procurement and Buyer's Meeting Point. And for a lot of conversations like that, uh, Stacy, hello, Roger, hello. Great to see all of y'all here today. Okay, so Jenny, really quick, tell us about the Africa Supply Chain Excellence Awards. That's well done. You got it right. Um, it is. That's exactly it. So we want to celebrate supply chain excellence on the continent of Africa. It's a huge undertaking because we all know there are many, many different countries and many, many different uh, supply chain issues across the continent. But we've got to start somewhere. So we've got a, a really good mix of supply chain associations. The idea of it is it's for the industry, by the industry. No one organization owns it or runs it or, um, you know, sort of dominates it. Uh, and the idea is exactly that, is that we highlight what's great on, on the continent of Africa. And there is a lot of great stuff. I and mean, Yako, who's here today, is one of those examples of the work that he's doing. I love that. I love that. We've got a link. Uh, and I love that it's not all are welcome, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, no special absolutely. interests. It's there to celebrate, celebrate achievement and community and, and all the, th all the hardworking yeah. uh, organizations and teams out there making it happen. Right, Jenny? A hundred percent. And, you know, ultimately we hope to be able to create bursaries out of this, to be able to bring young professionals into the, into the supply chain uh, arena. Um, and just really just education is key. Community is key. And that's really the core focus of, of what we're working towards. Love it. I love it. Uh, big fans. And we're really delighted from the, the 22 supply chain and procurement awards to establish a partnership with the Africa supply chain excellence awards as we try to lift up all the organizations together. It's tough to put on these awards shows as we all know, yeah. right? 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, really the work that you do to highlight and spotlight Africa is really just so much appreciated by so many of us, not just me. Well, I really, we appreciate that. It takes a team, takes a village. Uh, I think Greg said he always hated that phrase. I think it was great, yeah, but it it's so it is so accurate. Uh, so Jenny, look forward and folks, uh, we've got the link here. A S C E A dot C O dot Z A. Is that right, Jenny? Yep, Z A or Z A, depending on your translation. <laughs> that is right. Uh, I like how you pronounce a lot better. So, uh, <laughs> Amanda, if we can drop that link in the chat, that would be wonderful, and we'd encourage everyone's uh, involvement. Okay, so we're going to be getting to our speakers, but really quick, I got a couple of quick factoids. Um, I know Kelly, you and I both are uh, trivia geeks. Can I say that about you too? Absolutely, especially history trivia. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got two little factoids I want to share with folks. The first one comes, you know, so so last week we heard from our dear friend Sylvia Judy, right? Big friend of the show, but also a huge, one of the biggest ambassadors for the port of Charleston, right? And uh, South Carolina. Now, uh, all the East Coast ports seems like have been growing for quite some time. Charleston has been growing as well. I think they've also deepened, much like we've done in Savannah here, where the har uh, harbor's been deepened, they've done the same thing to allow mm -hmm. bigger ships. Well, get this. So big news, 1.29 million 20-foot containers came through into the port of Charleston in 2021. Jenny and Kelly, that is a 25% increase over 2020. How about handling that type of additional volume, huh? Just incredible. That's incredible. It really is. More options. What, what, what that tells me, um, and, you know, Charleston's not only a port growing. There's lots of great ports doing some, and a lot of inland ports uh, that are doing big business. But it gives our hardworking supply chain practitioners a lot more options. So uh, congratulations to all the folks making that growth happen and, and executing on it in Charleston. That comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Jenny and Kelly, have you all ever signed up for the logistics report from the Wall Street Journal? Yes. It's excellent. It really is. Uh, and I'm not sure if there's a subscriber fee or not. I get an email from um, from Paul Page well, and, and the team, I'm sure, uh, every morning. And it's just a great list of some of the things you need to know across uh, really global business. Jenny, you ever check that out? Yeah, they do lots of good teasers on Twitter. Yeah. Get you excited <laughs> and then you can't read the whole article. So you actually have to have to right. do it. <laughs> All right, one more quick fun fact here. Uh, so did you know on January 25th, 1993, Sears would announce that they would no longer be publishing their catalogs. So you know, long before Amazon, right? You get everything you want on a website. It, that was a Sears catalog, right? Whatever. In fact, you could order a house via the Sears That's catalog right. way back when. So what we grabbed a couple of images here. So on the left is one from clearly earlier in the catalogs times. I don't see a date on there. But then the one on the right, we capture what I believe is the final Sears catalog published. So kind of a snapshot in time. As Jenny Froome is our time traveler, a little snapshot in time there. Did you ever order anything? Final question before bringing our guests, Kelly and Jenny. Y'all ever order anything from Sears? Nope. I don't, I don't think I did either. Kelly. Not from the catalog. We had a lot of stores locally. I do remember, though, going to Sears, and if you ordered something big, they would send you to the other spot, and the box would come down the rollers. 
Um, so that was kind of a neat thing. If you ordered like, I don't know, like a biggish kitchen appliance that they didn't have out on the floor. That was very exciting to a little kid. So that I have. A <laughs> <laughs> what a great man. You're just chock full of stories. I was logistics you know, oriented even back then. Like yes. oh, I'm just rolling down the <laughs> So I never ordered anything from the Sears catalog, but I did my first ever credit card. Part telling too much information was discover. And I think discover and Sears had a big thing. So my first, College stereo, that three disc changer. Yeah, that came from Sears <laughs> wow. on the credit card. And I got a lot of mileage. Um, I won't tell y'all where we use those CD changers, but uh, adult beverages may have been involved. Um, all right, a lot of good stuff here. And and uh, Jose, great to see you. Love your shows and your programming. Uh, tuned in via LinkedIn from Southern California. Great to see you. Okay, so we may, we may only have one guest here today. Um, we looks like one of our guests got caught in a firewall issue. If, if she breaks through, we'll introduce her uh, and we'll keep on driving. Hey, Murphy's Law is live and well, but we've got a fantastic guest uh, in Kendra C. Taylor, PhD. She's president CEO with Key Efficiencies, also volunteers, uh, does some great work with a group called Informs. And with all that said, I want to bring in Dr. Taylor. Hey, Kendra, how you doing? It is so good to see you. Um, now, you're in the Atlanta area. Is that right? Uh-oh. We may <laughs> we may have a technical issue. So, Kendra, uh, if you can hear me. Can you hear me? No. Okay. All right. So, let's do this. If we can swoosh Kendra back out, let's just make sure the right speaker settings are there. Uh, and Clay, man, if y'all could help me out here, and then we'll swoosh Kendra back in. So, Kendra, we'll see you in just one second. Jenny, He's, you were uh, saying something. Oh, sorry. In the meantime, hey, hey, my hope, as is his true nature, is keeping me honest and saying it's 72 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit in Johannesburg, South Africa. So thank you very much for the translation. I really appreciate it. He is Johnny on the spot. Uh, he is. Mohi. He is. And, and let us know. Uh, well, Nerf's giving us a, a weather report too. 72 degrees. <laughs> uh, and Nerf, where are you at? You're in, I want to say Nerf's in Michigan or Canada, one or the other. Michigan or um, uh, Montreal, one or the other. So uh, Nerf, clarify that. 72 degrees. I can't be. That can't be Canada, Kelly. It's got to be colder than 72 there, right? Well, but he's saying Kelvin. Isn't that another uh, um, <laughs> Fahrenheit, Celsius, whatever you call those? Yes. Scale? Temperature scale? Something confusing. Through almost a thousand episodes, hasn't anyone picked up the fact that I'm horrible at math? You know, oh, math you always called around here. So, <laughs> Even weather is math now. <laughs> no kidding. It, it, no. Uh, but Nerf, thank you very much. 72 Kelvin there. Let's see. All right. right, let's Let me check a, a note here. All right, so Kendra, I'm hoping that we have got uh, her audio set. Uh, just a heads up, uh, folks, sometimes you just kind of see how the sausage gets made, and, and these are one of these moments when things, when connections and, and technology go wrong, um, you do whatever you can to fix it. So, so Kendra, if you're using the earbuds, there's a little option that you have to select that, 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 that your speaker are there earbuds? Rather, uh, if you don't, it'll pick up a different speaker on your PC. That may not be the issue, but just a little heads up there. And we're going to try to bring you in again. And Kendra, there might be other folks on the line. So maybe, I don't know, Kelly and Jenny. You know, my, my um, 
kind of ooky spooky. It is kind of ooky spooky. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase. Uh, I like that. Oh, maybe that's a Boston thing. <laughs> maybe a Boston I, thing. Because I also don't watch scary movies. So that's sort of like the six-year-old <laughs> version. of Other people probably have grown up scary words. <laughs> I don't do scary movies. So ooky spooky is about as far as I go. All right. So... <laughs> I love. I gotta. I gotta visit Boston and check out all these Bostonisms. <laughs> um, all right, Jenny and Kelly, we're gonna try this one more time with our dear guest, uh, Kendra. So again, I want to welcome in Kendra C. Taylor, PhD, President CEO with Keyficiencies. All right, Kendra, can you hear us? Wonderful. Now you're on mute though. Uh, so let's hit that hit just hit that mute button. We'll be all good. Kendra. All right, I can hear you. Good afternoon. Great to see you. Good afternoon. Uh, uh, really enjoyed our pre-show conversation a week or two ago. Love the work you're doing on, on a variety of fronts. And welcome to the Supply Chain Buzz. Thank you. All right. So hey, really quick before I turn over to Kelly as we work through uh, our. Uh, I'm sorry. As before I turn over to Jenny. See, sometimes I create my own curveballs around here. Um, but Kendra, really quick, we got a, little, a few extra time uh, since Sally, I think that firewall issue is going to get her. Um, you're in the Atlanta area. Is that where did you, or were you born and raised in Atlanta? If not, where? No, I have been in Atlanta for about 20 years now. I was born in Los Angeles, so I moved across the country from the West Coast over to the East Coast, and I do like it here. Man, L.A. What was it like growing up in L.A.? Goodness gracious. Well, I partially grew up in Los Angeles and partially grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, and those are two very different worlds. <laughs> <laughs> One you could say was more liberal, the other quite conservative. So right. I have seen the best, actually, of both. I, I really enjoyed growing up in Salt Lake. I, I thrived there. And uh, also enjoy going back to visit family in Los Angeles. So I'm in Atlanta and family has moved to Atlanta. So Atlanta is home. I love that. Uh, well, you know, we all get native badges, I think, after like 10 years. Uh, so you, <laughs> so you're, you're part of the community now. But Kendra, I love that. L.A., Salt Lake City, and Atlanta, three incredible towns. Uh, and Atlanta is such a special place to do business in. Um, all right. So Jenny... Uh, where are we going to start with our dear friend, uh, Dr. Taylor? Well, I'd, first of all, I just think that it's brilliant that we're actually even talking about this, this subject that is so insidious and so hidden in so many supply chains. Um, the, the human element and the, the, the abuse of, of I, think, I think you said something about 30 to 40 million people. Mm. whose lives are being violated um, by human slavery, trafficking, etc. I mean, that's just a staggering number. And, and someone once said, you know, supply chain is everything. So if we're going to solve any of the problems in the world, we have to start with our supply chains. And, and isn't that really what we're looking to do? And you're doing it through analytics and um, and all the, the, the really clever research. And I just wanted to know more about what it is you're doing to be able to give people like me the information I need to inform me, to inform my colleagues, my children about, I don't know, how we need to be more conscious consumers. Mm. Sure, absolutely. So I actually got into this 
area of human trafficking from the sex trafficking side. There was a report that came out from the Urban Institute in 2014 that identified Atlanta as a hotbed for sex trafficking of children. And uh, through various networking opportunities, I was introduced to the juvenile court judge who rang or sounded the alarm on the issue. And from there, learned about the greater picture of human trafficking. Uh, sex trafficking makes up, I believe, about 25% mm. of that 40 million. And so you have a lot of issues with labor trafficking, uh, overseas labor trafficking here, even in the United States, with people uh, bringing over individuals under false pretenses in order to uh, indoctrinate them into servitude. Mm and removing their forms of identification and threatening them and, and, and keeping them in harsh conditions uh, in order to keep that uh, lower cost labor here. So uh, we have those. And then also, you know, here in Atlanta, as well as other places, uh, you have uh, the situations with uh, the spas <laughs> or <laughs> institutions that go under the name of a spa. Right where they have individuals who have been brought here also under false pretenses and don't have the ability to leave. So, um, so the issue of uh, human trafficking, it really falls into two types. You have the uh, sex trafficking that I mentioned, and then the labor trafficking and the approach to addressing them. It differs mm. uh, with the labor trafficking and the supply chain, the commercial supply chain, you have all kinds of global issues. You have poverty. You have discrimination. You have immigration, uh, unregulated labor markets, uh, various unsafe working conditions, right. uh, workers that don't, under, that don't understand their rights. And then you have incentives for corporations to have lower cost labor and to do whatever they need to do in order to keep those uh, migration channels for migrant workers open. Mm. And then also there's, as you mentioned, a bit of invisibility. Mm. As a consumer, many times we don't know the full supply chain. And so analytics is being used to uncover the full supply chain so that the end consumer, the buyer, can be aware. In both cases of sex trafficking and labor trafficking, you have buyers who are unaware or uninformed. Right of what is really going on, what they're really buying into. And so uh, taking the veil off and allowing people to get a better understanding of that full supply chain is part of the focus that I have, a buyer awareness. So because if there is no demand, then there reduces the need for that supply. So really quick, let me chime in for just a second. And, and Kelly, I want to get your take before Jenny continues uh, on two things. You know. The invisibility that that Dr. Taylor is talking to that that you just don't know. Just um, a, a month or so ago, here in Georgia, there was a news story that hit. Um, Kendra mentioned the the migrants that are part of the agricultural workforce. Well, a farm was busted. I don't have the story maybe exactly right, but a farm was busted down in South Georgia because, as I understood it, they were keeping people and forcing them to work on the farm not letting them go and do you know, as they choose. I'm thinking like 2022, what in the world? 
And then, and then one other thing I want to get your take on Kelly is what that last point that Kendra mentioned, when you, when you can attack uh, demand, how supply will follow. And I, and I hate to put it in those terms because it might sound a little bit callous when we're talking about trafficking and modern slavery, but Kelly, your thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, my thought naturally, but I also think logically in this case, goes back to what procurement can do. And I don't think it matters if it's a B2C company or if it's B2B. There is so much data. There are so many solutions available uh, that will help us figure out who are we working with that might be at risk. And we need to know beyond, you know, we talk about tiers of the supply chain. So your first tier suppliers, those are the ones you pay directly. Their suppliers are my second tier. Mm. And a lot of times, depending on the supply chain itself, it's happening multiple tiers deep. But with the digital technologies that we have available to us today, there's no reason that we can't be running all of the companies we currently work with or that, that we're evaluating. Um, and truthfully, um, Kendra, I'm sure you would agree with this. It does not matter if it's the, you know, the chemical or the food product that goes into the can and that we sell, or if it's a company that provides cleaning service or, or facilities maintenance or, you know, absolutely anything that gets used on a corporate level, mm. anything that we allow to exist in the supply chain that in any way is allowing human trafficking to continue is unacceptable. And, and procurement mm. certainly can play a strong role in looking for that and monitoring it at scale on an ongoing basis. Excellent point. And one last thought, and I'm going to throw it back over to Jenny as we continue with uh, Dr. Kendra Taylor is the consumers because we're all consumers. We, we all may not be, you know, across uh, all the folks tuned in may not be supply chain practitioners and that's perfectly fine, but we're all consumers and it's really our duty. Uh, I would say to be more educated on what we're supporting with our purchases, whether directly or indirectly. Um, all right. So Jenny, let's pick back up here. What uh, your response and let's keep going with, uh, with Kendra. Yeah, so I think um, Memory's made a comment, and I think that that's a really valid comment, is that the value of any company um, lies with the company it keeps. And I think, you know, that's kind of the the, the basis of, of what it is we all need to do. And if procurement can help at the beginning, um, then that's a great thing. And if blockchain can help with the transparency, then that's that's something else. But um, in, in the recent article that you published on this topic, and I, I listened to it before, before we went on the show, and that's where I got that horrific uh, statistic of the number of people. Um, what, what, what are a couple of key themes that run through the work that you're doing and um, just, just what you're finding out and um, the information that is contained in, in all that research? Well, a lot of the research is focused on uh, supply, on the supply side. There's a lot of research about um, finding, identifying, locating those involved in supplying uh, goods through uh, human trafficking. Not as much work has been done on the demand side. In labor trafficking, there are websites and there is analytics being used to uh, create or understand the full supply chain. So that is just beginning. Um, it, I believe it's probably, it's definitely less than 10 years old in terms of the use of analytics to, uh, to track the full supply chain. 
and to inform buyers about the supply chain and where the goods that they're purchasing are, are really coming from. I would say that um, the projects, so to speak, that excite me the most and that uh, my work is, is focused on is buyer awareness mm. and encouraging the analytics community and the corporate community to be more cognizant of the supply chain and creating that transparency to break down that wall of invisibility that we talked about uh, previously. Yeah. And, and, and there have been, you know, there have been some significant breakthroughs, haven't there, with various well-known um, manufacturers who have actually closed down suppliers factories because of exactly that the abuse of, of the workforce um, and I think you know obviously largely through data and information and education by people like yourself and conversations like this and just constantly creating that awareness and you know I'm ashamed to say that it wasn't until we had a, a speaker at one of our conferences two years ago talking exactly about this the, 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 that I really had stopped and thought about it and I'm quite sure you know I'm not alone and education is the root of everything and if you can back it up with with fact and data that's so intrinsically vitally important mm. uh kendra why don't you respond to that and then i'm gonna share a couple quick comments from our skyboxes sure sure i i think the point made earlier about blockchain is definitely uh, a turning point in terms of improving transparency having that common ledger and uh so that is something that analytics is definitely um uh, useful and appropriate in in facilitating. I'm excited about that ledger, that open ledger and shared ledger of right. blockchain technology being something that a few years from now you can easily, you know, maybe scan the QR code on something that you're interested in purchasing and and see, you know, the full supply chain or see if it's good or if it has some sort of a a seal of approval, so to speak, or, or what companies, kind of like a Whole Foods where they in, in and of themselves have made a commitment uh, to procure goods from ethical means, then having that be a part of the supply chain, that mm. visibility, that transparency being a part of the supply chain. Well said. And procurement, uh, Kelly, going back to your point we made earlier, it's so critical to be part of the conversation, part of the action um, you know, uh, uh, and thankfully, thankfully procurement is seen more and more. And Kelly, I love your thoughts here. And then I'll go to, uh, share Jason's comments here. M more and more they're having, they're having that seat at the table, right? They're being, they're being part of the strategic conversations related to supply chain, right? That's, that's great news, right? It is great news. And, uh, first point, you can't get through an episode like this without talking about procurement. So this is perfect. <laughs> but, you know, I think what's interesting is that very few companies actually start supply chain mapping for the sake of something like human trafficking, despite how important it is, or even sustainability. What tends to happen is that they start mapping out their supply chain for the sake of plain old traditional risk management. We don't want disrupted supply. Right. But the thing is, once you have that map done, and once you have sort of the conduit for data 
flowing back and forth, those multiple tiers, like I talked about into the supply chain, people start to realize not that it's easy, but how much more feasible it becomes to look into human trafficking, to look into sustainability, to start looking at things like, you know, what's our tier two or workforce diversity. You know, once you build out the basic data flow and infrastructure, just simply to stop disruptions, which every single company wants to do because they're costly and, you know, bad for business. Um, But there are so many things you can layer on top of that. That's where some of the real value-oriented ROI starts to come into, yes, it's expensive to map. Yes, it's expensive to build out these systems and track all of this data. But there is so much you can do once you have it in place. It's absolutely critical. Including the right thing, right? Including the right thing, yes. Love that. All right, I've got to share a couple of these great comments here. Memory says, the value of any company lies in its reputation and the company it keeps. Memory, keep bringing it. I love it. Uh, Max is back with us uh, from Mexico. Max, great <laughs> to see you. Hey, it's okay. You can be late here. No, no one's going to hold that against you. Um, let's see here. Memory is also saying uh, increased visibility will definitely flush out all the hidden ethical issues in the supply chain network. Yes, there's, there's, there are more things we need definitely need to uh, flush out. This is com- this comes from I believe Kora, our dear friend Kora Kose with Gardner, who's oh, who hello, Kelly. Kari. He has agree, agreed uh, just in the last week or two. Uh, we got it finalized. He's one, one of our executive judges, which is That's wonderful. Right. Um, he says super important topic to cover. We talk so much about making conscious decisions everywhere. Do we though? In the stuff we eat and use. Take a second to check before you buy. And as Kendra was saying a moment ago, you know, blockchain and other technologies are going to make it easier and easier to to, to get to uh, study up right there in the moment as you're you know checking out something from the shelf. That is a wonderful development. Jason, here's Jason's comment now, and then we'll go back to our panel. Jason says, "I agree. Uh, evaluation of procurement process can mitigate human mistreatment practices. So how can supply chains do that more effectively?" without punishing their profit. Can that be something addressed at the higher educational level more effectively versus on-the-job training that costs the company? Great questions there. Kendra, um, any thoughts there? Oh, Kendra, we might have lost your um, your audio again. Kendra, can you hear us? Okay, we're going to keep driving then. We're going to keep driving. Jason, we're going to circle back to your uh, your. Uh, questions in a moment here. Um, all right. So I was just going to make Kenny. a quick comment on Please. that in that I really, honestly, education is the root of everything. And if if we as adults and the next generation can continually be encouraging these, these schools, universities, etc., to to change curriculums, to bring this information in, to have guest speakers like Kendra, to just continually raise the awareness, then the next generation of young professionals have already got a head start and the company that employs them has a head start as well. Right. So, you know, the root of it all is, is education. Agreed. Those are great, great ideas. And we're going to see if we can't get Kendra back in, in just a second. Kelly, any uh, additional thoughts along those lines that Jenny shared? Absolutely. Well, the comment that you just had up, I believe it was from Jason, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, He talked about how companies can do the right thing without it damaging their profits. Yes, thank you. Uh, You know, this is really hard because some industries are almost reliant upon some of these 
illegal practices or unethical practices that are just far enough away from them that maybe they don't know it's there. Um, when it's systemic like that, that's very difficult because in order to do the right thing, as we were talking about, you do have to elevate your costs. I think, however, we also have to think about what is the cost of these practices being uncovered. Mm. It would be intensely difficult for a brand to recover from something coming to light, even if it's three, four tiers deep. I mean, I know the, the garment industry struggles with that. A lot of different places globally will have forced labor, women and, and children. And every once in a while, they raid one of these facilities, just like happened at the farm in Atlanta, Scott. And it doesn't matter how big your brand is or how far away from you in the supply chain. That is very negative PR if your labels turn up in that factory. So what, in fact, is the cost of that? I think it's a, a short-term game versus a long-term game. Yes, it may eat into profits, um, but it's a very risky play to keep those profits larger by allowing unethical practices to continue someplace in the world. Agreed. Yeah, great a lot of great point. comments there. Um, really quick, I wish I could remember the um, name of the clothing company that offers a, on their website, gosh, this can drive me crazy. It's going to hit me like as I grab lunch this afternoon, halfway through the sandwich, that's the name of it. But they offer a portal so you can view their production lines anytime you want via their website to kind of really open up and offer that transparency and that visibility into um, how their stuff's made. I'll, I'll think of the name. Um, okay, so Kendra, I'm going to give you a nonverbal cue. We may be having some issues there. Your thoughts, Kendra. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and start talking. I can't. Okay, great. I, I can't hear um, what you all are saying, but I'm, I'm getting some some cues. I would say that um, regarding the cost of uncovering human trafficking practices, uh, many organizations um, have put out policies, corporate policies, indicating that they do not tolerate that type of activity in their supply chain. Uh, for Hewlett Packard, for example, uh, has created that type of a, a policy. And, you know, enforcement is, is a different animal, but putting that there, making it as explicit as possible for uh, workers to have access to and to see how it relates to their day-to-day -day work environment is helpful. I think that many organizations know, I think in the, in the shrimp uh, uh, in the fishing industry, they know that children are being used. Mm. Even the parents of the children know mm. that their children are being used in this type of, of an environment. And one of the challenges is that even this is the same type of decision-making challenge that, that teenagers have. Number one, they don't think long-term. And then number two, they don't know other alternatives. Mm -hmm. So if the only alternative for a, a poor family is to have their child work in a harsh environment, then that is what you see. And then you have, uh, it, it becomes a win-win mm. in the short term for the corporation and for the family. But longer term, it is not necessarily so. And so uh, that's why human trafficking, labor trafficking, is such a complicated challenge. In, in both types of trafficking, the actual person being trafficked may be okay with the setup in the short term because they see a short-term benefit. Uh, but in the longer term, that is where you have uh, some of the harsher uh, 
you know, penalties and challenges. So uh, just speaking to the costs of uncovering that, I would say they don't outweigh the benefits of being known uh, for being a, a socially responsible corporation and having that impact, particularly as the general public gets wind of what this organization is a part of and having that be a stain on that corporation's brand uh, is not as significant. So, uh, so it does behoove all organizations within a supply chain to do the right thing. Mm. Well said, very well said. And you may not can hear me. Can you hear me, Kendra? I can hear you now. Oh, wonderful. Okay. <laughs> wonderful. All right. So I want to get to uh, the resources. Uh, and Jenny and Kelly, bear with me just a second in case we lose audio with Kendra. I want to get this out and then we'll bid adieu. But Kendra, how can folks connect with you? How can folks reach out and, and uh, view your informs research uh, and find out more about key efficiencies? Sure. So informs uh, has several outlets for individuals to uh, engage. Uh, the first is just to visit informs.org and follow informs on social media. Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram are all outlets uh, where it's I-N-F-O-R-M-S, informs. It stands for the Institute for Operations Research and the Management Sciences. Uh, for me, uh, my email address is kendra at keyficiencies.com or you can go to keyficiencies.com. And also, uh, you can sign up uh, with Informs to receive updates. If you know of a nonprofit organization that is looking for analytics support, we do have the pro bono analytics uh, group within Informs where we do short-term consulting projects to bring analytics to nonprofits for free. Love that. I love that. And I can't that. hear you. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you thank very you. much, Kendra. And we'll see you back again really soon. Folks, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, Kendra, Dr. Taylor, I like, I like giving folks, uh, they put a lot of work in earning their PhD. Dr. Taylor is brilliant. Uh, and I hate that we had some technical issues and it made the kind of the dialogue a little more challenging today, but I encourage you. Um, in fact, um, Amanda, Chantel, Catherine, Clay, you name it. If we can drop that link directly to the Informs research uh, in the uh, comments, I really appreciate that. And if you could also... If we don't have it, then we've got um, Kendra's LinkedIn profile in the show notes. you got to got to connect with her. And uh, I love the work she's doing. So, but Jenny, let's bring you back into the conversation. I'd love to get your thoughts on some of what you heard there from Dr. Mm -hmm. Taylor. Yeah, I was just going to say that I, for, for my sins or whatever, my ignorance, I wasn't aware of informs. So yet again, this is another thing that Supply Chain Now has opened my eyes into. And the wealth of information that is on that website is enormous. Um, there's, there's, there's just something I switched off at the, the math bit, you know, when I started getting too, too, too many numbers, but, but really the, the information that's there is, is huge. So I highly recommend anybody who didn't know about it to, to go on to it. Um, but really, you know, it's, it's that sort of work that gives, I think I said it earlier, gives people like me the facts with which to be able to have a conversation with people who need to know more and do better. Right. Um, and so, you know, people like Dr. Taylor just are, I don't know, angels in disguise, I guess, doing, doing the hard work. 
Agreed. Agre- Angels in the skies. We have our episode title. Kelly, your thoughts. <laughs> well, you know what I was actually thinking about because uh, we shared the information very early on that um, Atlanta was an enormous hub for this problem. Um, and I will vouch for you guys, everybody in Atlanta that I've worked with seems very nice. So it's not because <laughs> the people in Atlanta are the issue, but when we look at this as supply chain professionals, it's sort of this corollary thought to keep in our minds. Any place that is really busy for any reason, because we typically think of busy, we, we talked about the increased number of shipping containers, right, coming in through that port. Um, any place that's really busy, that is also where the nefarious stuff is going mm. to happen. And so you can't, what's the expression? You can't boil the ocean, but you don't actually have to. Any place that's busy, whether it's, you know, rail, freight, ocean, air, any sort of hub like that, that has an unusually high volume compared to the rest of whatever system it happens to be in is probably going to be the hotbed for problems as well. So that's, it's kind of an interesting way to think about where we might start if we're trying to root out some of these issues. If we know there's something, whether it's products or services that we are sourcing or is coming in through a particularly busy port um, or is warehoused outside of Atlanta, for instance, right. um, that's, a, that's a place to be a little bit more aware. Agreed. Agreed. Let me share a couple of quick comments here as we start to wrap up today's show. And again, our apologies, my apologies for the technical uh, issues that happens from time to time. Again, we definitely want to encourage you to check out, uh, connect with uh, Dr. Kendra C. Taylor, uh, Key Efficiencies, and great folks over at Informs are doing such great work. Um, this user, this could be Kora, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, uh, folks, let me know. Uh, he or she says, supply chain mapping helps to understand the current state of the internal and external supply chain. Excellent point there. Uh, That is Amanda, Amanda Russo. Amanda, great to see you. Great to have you here today. Great point here. Um, T-Squared, who holds down the Fort Forest on YouTube, uh, says visibility, visibility, visibility with a touch of transparency (laughs) is the game here. Good point. Memory says we need to use small incremental steps to broaden the scope and confidence of our chain strategies through continuous improvement. Excellent point there. Um, as I mentioned, we shared the um, link to the Informs data there. Uh, you can click on that. What a huge library, as Jenny was saying. Uh, Jason says, sounds like a new degree program and career position to create called a supply chain ethics engineer. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Kind of rings rings in my ears. Mohib kind of mm-hmm. agrees. He says, I wonder if there is any certificate like quality slash ISO for ethical purchasing for companies in their supply chain. This would boost accountability as well as growth. And, and I would add the tool set for attacking yeah. and making making gains, uh, right? And then finally, Yako. I think I was mispronouncing his front name. It's Yako, right? I got to pronounce that J-Lo differently. Yako, great to see you. He says, we are seeing it in the South African agricultural industry, although in our case, on the welfare of animals and sustainable farming. The process is audited by an independent authority and recorded on the blockchain. Best of all, the farmers get a premiere on their products for doing the right thing. Folks, if we can help folks make more money by doing the right thing, that is a big part of the path moving forward. Kelly, let's get your response uh, and your maybe your favorite thing you heard here today. And then Jenny, I'm going to circle back to yours as well. Kelly? I think that my favorite thing that I heard based on all of these ideas that everybody has brought forward is that there's something that every single one of us 
watching this conversation or listening to it later can do. Anybody in procurement, supply chain, finance, operations, right? Every single person, there is some decision in your workflow where you have an opportunity to evaluate. And it might be as simple as asking a question, where do you get this from? Who do you buy this for? What's your source of labor? Asking the question might be the action that you take, but there's something that all of us can do. I love that. Um, You know, anything but lip service, right? Taking that action. That's right. Taking that action. Uh, Jenny, your favorite thing you heard here today. Is basically that we're having this conversation. And I think that that's the most important thing. And that, you know, to Kelly's point, it mustn't just be lip service. We have to keep on having the conversation, but not just talk about it. We each of us have to do something about it. No matter how small it starts with, starts with me, starts with you. I love that, uh, Jenny, how, how very true. Um, And, you know, again, as consumers, we've got to, whether we're talking human trafficking, modern slavery, whether we're talking sustainability, uh, returns, the tie wave of returns, which isn't good for any anybody. Um, it's, it's those steps we can take, we can own uh, to help drive change and improvement. Um, all right. So if we could, so Sally, Do- Dr. Sally Eves could not join us here today. That stinks because gosh, her and Kendra in a conversation with Kelly and Jenny, man, we had like an all-star panel here today. But if we can, Amanda, one of the things we were going to talk with Sally about in particular was a really um, well-received article she published in December, uh, again, focused on DEI and uh, some some uh, best practices, new thoughts there. If we can drop the link to her article there in the comments just to give folks an option, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. And Johnny, on the spot, you, you already knocked it out. Thanks so much, Amanda. Okay, so Kelly Barner. And Jenny Froome, as we start to wrap here today, uh, a couple of actions to take. Again, check out supplychainprocurementawards.com. We'd love to get you all involved uh, in our our effort to not only celebrate good news across global industry, but much more importantly, is to help Hope for Justice and their action-driven programming to eradicate modern slavery and human trafficking. You can take the simple, small step of nominating a company and use those fees uh, to help further hope for justice. So check that out, supplychainprocurementawards.com. The site, again, for Africa Supply Chain Excellence Awards, Jenny, that site is? www.ascea.co.za. Yes. Z-A. Z-A. I love that. Z-A. Um, all right. So y'all get, those are ways you can take, in, in addition to asking the questions, as Kelly mentioned earlier, which I love that, um, in addition to being a more conscious consumer, I think there's a group out there called Conscious Consumerism, I believe. But regardless, being more conscious and present in in how you're voting with your dollars and, w- and what you're supporting directly or indirectly, um, but also check out those initiatives. All right. So Kelly Barner, I'm going to start with you as we sign off. Uh, two quick questions. First off, what's to come with Dial P and how can folks connect with the one and only Kelly Barner? So I'll start with that. That's easier. LinkedIn, please. Or you can visit me at buyersmeetingpoint.com. Uh, I actually have a great treat to kick off the year with Dial P. Karai Kose, who is judging at the Supply Chain and Procurement Awards and who is also with us here today. Um, has brought a friend of his, Rick, who is incredibly experienced in 
digital transformation and disruption in very meaningful ways. So I'm going to speak with the two of them uh, about taking- Ric Flair? That Ric Flair? <laughs> oh, wouldn't you love that? No, not Ric Flair. <laughs> um, although having Ric Flair come talk about digital transformation would actually be really kind of interesting and different, right? Yeah, cool. Um, but no, we're going to have a, a really interesting conversation about dehyping um, and taking some of the things that Karai and Rick have both learned through their their various work um, and kind of bringing it down to a level where we can do some very real things through changing language, changing our mindset, changing process to make the most of the technology that's available to us today. Nice. More about the hype cycle and dehyping. de-hyping I love that. Yes. Yeah. Rick. So Rick Flair is definitely not one. Uh, he's all hype, all hype with <laughs> all Rick. Hype so, all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. Well, hey, love what Dial P for procurement's up to. Love what y'all are doing over at Byers Meeting Point and, and Art of Procurement. Uh, so stay tuned. And folks, you can find Dial P for procurement wherever you get your podcast. Find it and subscribe so you don't miss anything. Um, Jenny, mm-hmm. now uh, you are doing a ton of really cool stuff at Sapix. I think your annual conference has already been published right? Yes. And yeah. you're crossing your fingers, I think, because we're hoping it's back in person this year. Is that right? More than probably more than anything else at the moment. That's our dear wish. 12th to the 15th of June. We want to be in Cape Town and we want to be together. Um, it's been it's been way too long and we're watching watching in America the events that are going on with sort of slightly green tinges because it's so <laughs> we're jealous, um, cautious, all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, that's that's our big focus. That and the awards are um, the, the industry awards here on, in Africa are our big focus. Love it. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation uh, on our last podcast focused on supply chain leadership across mm-hmm. Africa with um, I can't, cannot remember Azuka's last name. Okeke. Oh, yes. Okeke. Uh, fascinating. Uh, well-received episode. Check that out. And Jenny, what can folks expect? Because we already have, I think, several other shows lined up, right? Yeah, we do. We've got a, a really great supply chain professional coming up, MJ Schumacher. Um, and we've got uh, some also some stunning public health supply chain professionals um, who are going to be talking to us as well as some real industry giants. So um, really casting the spotlight very brightly on these supply chain leaders in Africa. Love it. Uh, you know, you, you should you should narrate a book, Jenny. <laughs> uh, I could listen to you tell stories all the time. Uh, how can folks connect with Jenny Froome? Uh, best place is LinkedIn, or, or as I always say, I'm very active on Twitter. Love Twitter; it suits my attention span. Um, <laughs> so it's just it's literally Jenny Froome, like room, but with an F and an F at the beginning and an E at the end. It's very easy. Love it. And she is a great, uh, you, you got to follow Jenny Froome on Twitter for sure. But hey, more, most importantly, you got to connect with Jenny and Kelly. Definitely connect with them on LinkedIn. Uh, wonderful, wonderful people and leaders doing big things out in the industry. As uh, our two guests, uh, be sure to connect with Kendra C. Taylor, PhD, uh, on LinkedIn and, and the sites we dropped earlier. And of course, Sally Eves, PhD, um, uh, also a great individual to follow on Twitter. Uh, Sally lights up that Twitter feed. I love it. Um, all right. So folks, uh, we've, we've run the gamut here and yeah, every show, you know, no, no two shows are the same. And, and sometimes everything works with no hitch with, with you know, without a hitch. And other times we hit our head, you know, bang our head on the wall because Murphy's law bites us from a technology standpoint. It goes with the territory, but Hey, 
Uh, I'm so glad Kendra C. Taylor, uh, PhD, was able to stop in and share some of, of her um, highly valuable purpose-driven work. Uh, y'all take action, connect with her and those sites. Big thanks to my fearless, my fearless co-host here today, Kelly Barner with Dial P for Procurement and Jenny Froome with SAPIX and our series, uh, Supply Chain Leadership across, uh, across Africa. Whatever you do, folks, whatever you do, you know, there's going to be obstacles and speed bumps and we can't do that. We've never done that. It's going to be all kinds of that. You got to keep driving forward one step at a time. Uh, embrace the responsibility that we as consumers have and be like Kelly Barner and Jenny Froome and Dr. Taylor. Do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks for, Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.